Today's show is brought to you by Of A Kind, an online shop for emerging design. For more information, visit ofakind.com. You're listening to Heritage Radio Network, broadcasting live from Bushwick, Brooklyn. If you like this program, visit heritageradionetwork.org for thousands more. Hey, and welcome to After the Jump. I'm your host, Grace Bonney, and today I'm coming to you live from Roberta's in Bushwick, Brooklyn. You can listen to the show live every Thursday at 11 a.m. on heritageradionetwork.org or download the podcast on iTunes. Today's show is about a topic I think more people, especially business owners, should be discussing, which is how to right your wrongs. It wasn't until I turned 30 that I realized I'd spent the majority of my life operating under a wildly inaccurate assumption, which is that striving for perfection is the safest and happiest way to live. But boy, was I wrong. It wasn't until I really sort of looked at and faced the reality of my life and my business that I realized how imperfect things were and how pointless it was to waste time aiming for something that wasn't literally possible. It's impossible to be perfect. As a self-acknowledged control freak, I'm very aware with the way that most people who care about control view the world, which is to say that most of us, to some degree, assume that we can, through hard work and constant attention, control the way that people perceive us, the way they react to us, and the way they feel about us. And to some small degree, you can. You can do your best to be polite, and that goes a long way. But the problem with trying to be perfect is that it assumes a few false things. One, that you're capable of being perfect. Two, that you can control other people's behaviors or thoughts. And three, that being perfect will somehow prevent you from ever being disliked or disagreed with. All three of those ideas are patently false. No one is perfect, not even Martha. No one can control or predict how other people will behave or perceive you to any real degree. And no matter how hard you try, someone will always dislike you, disagree with you, or not want to buy what you're selling or what you're offering. So taking the time to really let that sink in is important here. It feels a little scary. It did for me at first. I worried so much about how to control everything around me. I didn't really realize how freeing it would be to let go of the idea that I could somehow control things around me and make my life easier that way. When in fact, letting go of that perceived, and the operative word here being perceived, control, is the most freeing thing of all. Rather than being raised and taught to be perfect, I really feel strongly that everyone in their personal and business lives should be taught to right their wrongs. How do you make up for a mistake? What is the appropriate way to apologize? When do you know when to walk away and accept that you've burned a bridge? All of these lessons are just as valuable as striving to be your best and to put your best foot forward, but we're rarely taught those skills. So today I want to share the tips that I'm slowly learning and teaching myself that have not only made me feel freer and more like a whole person, but to let me operate my business in a way that allows for more risks and also more rewards and more chances to learn. The first truth to learn and to accept in this process is that mistakes are not an ending. They are an opportunity to learn and to change and to improve. Every single mistake that I have ever made, big ones or small ones, they've all been a chance for me to improve the way that I run my business and, in some ways, my life. 
Without mistakes I've made or things I've said that were mistakes, I wouldn't have learned to create the language that my entire team uses to correspond with our community. Those little lessons in email etiquette or learning when to not get too hot-headed in a comment section, they've all led me to create systems and rules and codes of conduct that prevent further problems, or at least try to, and issues down the road. So before you worry too much, remember that letting your guard down and being a little bit less perfect is actually the key to learning how to operate more effectively and efficiently. So if you've accepted the idea that no matter what, you're going to make mistakes and everyone always will, it's really good how to learn to make up for those mistakes because the sooner you have a system in place to handle those bumps in the road, the less scary they're going to seem and the more likely you are to take chances and put yourself out there in ways that you never thought you would before. And isn't that really what we all want? The more that I think about this issue of being able to feel comfortable with apologizing for things and making wrongs right is that it's really all about wanting people to know us, respect us, and appreciate us for who we really are as whole, imperfect people who are also relatable. Because if you're getting known and you're getting loved for being a sort of false, perfect version of yourself, no one's getting the chance to really know you and understand you. And if there's one thing I sort of try to drill home here constantly on this this show is that it's incredibly important to have sort of a camaraderie and a connection with the people in your community, no matter what type of business you run. And if you're not being your whole authentic and also imperfect self, no one really gets to know and connect with you the way you are. So this is what it's all about. So the first thing to think about if you have to deal with righting a wrong is starting really, really small with one simple question to yourself, which is, what are you afraid of? I think a lot of people get immediately stymied with the idea of making a mistake or how to make up for it by immediately assuming you know exactly what the person on the other end of the situation is going to expect, how they're going to react, and how angry they're going to be with you. The first thing I think is to answer that question. What are you afraid of? Write it down on a piece of paper, write it in an email, do something simple, and write down the worst possible scenario that could happen. For example, let's say you run a blog and you leave a comment that you're not 100% proud of. Maybe you got angry with somebody. Maybe you said something that was wrong. What's the worst possible thing that could happen? For me, I could talk that out and figure out that maybe my entire reading audience gets angry at me. Maybe people stop reading. What is the worst possible scenario? Really think it out and think about, is this actually leading to some end of the world terrible scenario? For most people in most creative fields, it's not. There's no such thing as an end of the world fine art emergency. It does not exist. So for the most part, no matter how scared you are of how angry people are going to be, it's something you can correct. You might have to correct more in some situations than others, but you're able to correct those problems. So really write down and talk out the worst possible scenario. I find that as great as it is to write it down, it's even more helpful to talk it out with somebody else. Because oftentimes, if you're describing what you did wrong, when you talk to somebody else, you usually realize it's not as bad as you think it is, or they might give you ways to sort of view that situation from a different perspective or offer some points or tips for ways to rectify it that you hadn't thought of before. So you've thought through your situation. The next thing to do is come up with a way to say that you're sorry or to fix the situation. I find the simplest thing to do is to deal with a short simple and very sincere apology. Now, no matter what scale it is, I think there are three things to always keep in mind. First, say what you did wrong. I find that a lot of times when people are trying to apologize for something that went wrong or trying to fix something, they don't address the actual core of it. And people don't really feel 
as if they've received some sort of apology or some sort of fix if the person doesn't acknowledge what actually happened. And sometimes that's the simplest way to fix something is to say, hey, I'm so sorry that I said X, Y, Z, or I'm so sorry that I didn't come to your party. Whatever it is, actually just acknowledge and own up to that situation. It makes it a lot less scary because a lot of times people are going to build on or add on to whatever that one action was and make it seem much bigger. And if you're able to just say it out loud, you kind of bring it back down to earth and make it seem like it's just, it's one small thing that you can get past. So acknowledge what you did wrong. The second thing, and I think this is so crucial, is to explain what you wish you had done instead. I think a lot of times when people are upset and hurt by something, it's so valuable to valuable to just hear somebody say, you know what? I'm so sorry that I didn't come to your party. I should have been there. That one little line of I should have done this or I wish I had done this is just acknowledging that something happened that you wish it hadn't, that you know exactly what you should have done. And sometimes that's all a friend or a customer or a reader really wants to know is that you know what you should have done. And I think a lot of times people feel that if you acknowledge that you do know what you should have done, that that somehow makes it worse. But it doesn't. It actually makes somebody feel like you're a real human being. You understand what you should have done, but you just weren't at your best self and you didn't show up or or you didn't say what you wish you had said, or you didn't choose something you wished you had chosen. Acknowledging that and really sort of letting it be out there, let somebody understand that you're not a bad person. You know exactly what should have happened. You just didn't make the best choice in that moment, and it's okay. The next thing to do is to just say you're sorry. I'm somebody who has a really hard time with saying sorry and at every possible level of my life from the most personal of situations to the most professional of situations. And it can be difficult to acknowledge that you did something wrong without kind of wrapping it in some sort of excuse or, oh, these are the 10 reasons that this happened or why what I did wasn't actually wrong. It's just actually this was a different choice. And throw all of that aside. Just say you're sorry. I have found that in the last year of my life where I've really learned to kind of just apologize for things not going right, that if I say what I did, I say what I should have done, and then just end with a simple, I'm sorry, people are much better able to grasp that apology, accept it, and move forward. And I think that if you couch things in explanations and excuses and all the reasons why something happened, it just feels like an excuse. And people don't hear the sincere apology within that. That is the short, simple, and sincere way you should say you're sorry for something. Now, there's one thing to think about. I think when people say that they're sorry, you ask for very specific things. A lot of people say, I'm so sorry. Do you forgive me? Or can you ever forget this? Or whatever. Don't follow up with a request on that. When you're apologizing for something you've done wrong, even at the smallest level, it's just better to leave that in someone else's hands and to feel like they get a moment to really digest your apology, digest everything that you've said, understand that you understand what happened and to let it go. And the more that you ask for something else, it kind of turns it back on to something they have to do. A really legit, sincere apology should be about giving somebody else the chance to understand, accept, and move on. So when you're writing, whether that's email, writing someone a letter, saying something in person, don't immediately ask for something back from them. Give them their time to process it. But one thing to think about is that when you apologize, it doesn't mean it doesn't mean that you immediately have to accept some sort of verbal abuse or attack or something like that. I think that when you're apologizing, it also demands the sort of respect from somebody who's hearing that 
that they understand you're taking the time to sort of, it's humbling to really put yourself out there to apologize and admit that you've done something wrong. So just because you're apologizing, it doesn't mean that you have to open yourself up to a barrage of attacks or something like that. I find that most of us working in the internet community so often hesitate from apologizing online or admitting something because it opens yourself up to this world of people jumping on sort of a bandwagon saying, yeah, that was wrong. You shouldn't have done this. And that can be a very scary thing. But the truth is, if you're apologizing and doing it sincerely, you don't have to accept all those pylons as just sort of further punishment for what you've done wrong. Say your piece and move forward. Now, there are different things to think about when you're apologizing. And I think the most important one is to think about how you choose to do this. Emails, comment sections, social media, all those sorts of things. They remind me so much of um, a post I wrote on Design Sponge one time about how to be there for somebody when they've lost someone or lost a loved one in their life. And that is to really consider how sincere the method of apology is. If it's something minor, you've said something really briefly online that wasn't so cool Using an online method of apology, I think, is totally fine. If you maybe said something um, on Twitter that got construed the wrong way or sounded differently or sounded in a way you didn't want to, I think it's totally fine to use that same method to say, hey, sorry about that. I totally didn't mean to do that. You know, I, I meant this, not that. So sorry. But for the most part, if you're making a sort of large error or you're doing something that really demands a bit more thought or a bit more communication, pick up the phone or ask to meet somebody in person. I think so many things get misconstrued by how somebody reads an email or how somebody reads a comment and how they interpret that. And you can't control it. You can't control how somebody else is reading what you're saying. So I think it's really important to sort of take the time to pick up the phone, meet somebody in person person and explain things. So often in my life, I've sort of fallen into that trap of the email as conversation and email does not equal conversation. A lot of times it's easy to sort of text somebody or like chat chat somebody or email them in almost real time where you're saying, Oh, sorry about that. Oh, no, I meant this. But wait, did you mean that? back and forth and just pick up the phone. So many things can't be conveyed in the written form that can be conveyed simply by the tone of your voice on the phone. It can be scary to call somebody who you feel like they might be upset with you or you might have to admit that you did something wrong or you made a mistake, but it is the fastest way to clear something up. And I think as a business owner, the quicker you can be to pick up a phone and say, hey, 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 I think things are getting confused here and I'm so sorry if you know something came across the way it shouldn't have. It conveys so much about your professionalism, about your maturity, and your, about your sincerity with your business. So when in doubt, pick up the phone. Now, there are different levels of apologies I want to go into. Um, dealing with apologies for employees, dealing with apologies for partnerships, dealing with apologies for readers or customers. After the break, I'm going to break down all those three ways and little tips to keep in mind. So stay tuned. I'll be right back. <laughs> emerging design? Check out Of A Kind, a site that sells the pieces and tells the stories of up-and-coming makers. The site has featured over 200 designers and offers limited edition pieces you can't find anywhere else, along with the studio tours, travel guides, even recipes from the designers. To find out more, head to ofakind.com and sign up for the site's newsletter. 
Hey, welcome back to After the Jump. I'm your host, Grace Bonnie, And today I'm talking about learning to right your wrongs. And the inspiration for this show was really just interacting with the creative community and realizing that so many of us have been taught all of the right ways to do things perfectly, how to present yourself perfectly online, how to write, how to put your best foot forward. But we're rarely taught how to make up for mistakes that we make. And Mistakes are inevitable, and I think it's so crippling to be taught that you have to be perfect in order for everything to go smoothly, when in fact, the more real and the more authentic you can be, the more chances you have to learn lessons, to have people connect with you for who you really are and not who you're sort of presenting yourself to be. So before the break, I was talking about things to consider, mainly that you can't control other people's perceptions. So the more comfortable you are with apologizing to people, the less scary it becomes to make mistakes or take big risks. So I want to talk a little bit about the different layers of sort of writing wrongs with the different types of people you're going to interact with. The first one, now this is probably only going to apply to people who run businesses, but I think it's an important one to consider is employees. One of the toughest things I've experienced in my life is trying to understand and manage the dynamic that exists between a boss and people who work with you. And no matter what type of business you run, this sort of relationship is going to exist in some way, whether it's the person who writes your paychecks, or it's the person who edits your work or somebody who produces the goods that you're designing. That relationship you have with somebody is a very important one, not only because you're setting an example for your company and you're setting an example for everybody else who works works with you, but it's something to be really handled carefully. And Lord knows I have made more mistakes than I would like to admit in this department, but it can be very difficult to be a boss if it's not something you originally saw yourself doing. But I've learned a lot in the last couple of years about how important it is to just apologize to people who work with you. I think the most important thing to consider when dealing with an employee or anyone who's sort of working under you or sort of junior at your company is that you are no better than anybody else at any level of a company. And I find that so often people who've been working for more years who just happen to have a maybe more prestigious title at a company feel that they don't owe anyone an apology because they're important or somehow apologizing puts them down at a level they don't want to be. But everyone deserves the same amount of respect working in a company, whether you're the person who's delivering mail or you're the person who's writing that mail that gets delivered. So always remember that the respect you show the people that you work with, especially in the form of admitting that you've done something wrong, is incredibly crucial to the work productivity you get, the amount of respect you get back from your employees, and the happiness of everybody at a team. If everyone feels like there's a fairness at a company and everyone feels like there's a fairness coming from the top down, that's the way that everyone there will conduct themselves. But instead, if you're sort of slow to apologize, slow to admit that something's gone wrong, that behavior becomes a pattern and a model for everyone else working there. So I think it's so, so crucial to really talk to people at every level of your company and to apologize if something goes wrong, even if it's something little like, hey, the paychecks went out late this week. And that's happened to me so many times before. And it's so easy to just blame the company that sends your paychecks or blame some other sort of thing. But to take the second to really apologize and say, hey, I'm sorry about that, even if it's not your direct fault, just acknowledging that something happened that you're not happy about, that your employees aren't happy about kind of puts you in the same place in the same field to just say, hey, I'm really sorry this happened. I'm going to do everything I can to make sure it won't happen again. That little acknowledgement goes such a long way. 
The next group of people to think about are probably the most important, which are your readers or your customers. If you're running a business, whether it's online or it's in person, managing the disappointment that will come from people who are consuming whatever you produce or the content that you write is crucial to the long-term success of your business. And I think if you're familiar with the internet and you're familiar with Yelp and any other social media channel, you've seen some of the disastrous ways that dealing with readers and customers can go wrong. And I think that sort of disaster. It tends to come from people's sense of pride and their inability to sort of own up to a problem and solve it. There are so many examples of this that I can't even just pick one of them. But if you ever read Yelp, you know that most commonly when something goes wrong at a shop or a restaurant, the owner immediately jumps on to sort of attack the character of the person there. And actually, I've got a great example off the top of my head that I think is a wonderful one. I happen to take my dog to a daycare center sometimes uh, in Brooklyn. And when I was researching the daycare center, I read the Yelp reviews of two very prominent ones in our neighborhood. And I chose the one I would go to based on the reaction of the owner in the comment section. And that owner was dealing with some issues where someone said, hey, I came back and my dog looks like they got sick while they were there. Or my dog looks like it was, you know, might have gotten nipped or something. And that person didn't immediately attack the the owner and assume something was wrong. They said, I'm so sorry. Like, here's my phone number. How can I get in touch with you? Let's talk this through and figure it out. I'll make sure this won't happen again. I want to see that somebody can own up to a problem. Now, if it's a wildly inaccurate one, of course, feel free to quibble over details. But for the most part, I feel like something that really entices people to come back to a business or to make another purchase or to give them your money in the first place is somebody who seems like a real person who can deal with a customer. And this is another place where really owning up to the fact that you can't control the way people think about you really comes in handy because no matter how wonderful your business is, someone is going to complain about it. So the sooner that you can sort of build in a system of like, hey, I'm going to have to say sorry a couple times a week, even if it's something I don't agree with. Building that into your system as something you have to do makes it so much easier to not have a knee-jerk reaction to somebody complaining about something. And it can sound like a not-so-fun thing to have to build up sort of a thick skin about, about having to say sorry or someone accusing you of something. But I find that the best business owners are the ones who don't immediately jump to be upset when someone has a problem with them. Not only because that's a great way to be as a business owner, but because all of those little things that pop up, if somebody complains about your business or has a problem with your product, those are all opportunities to grow and solve problems. If somebody has a complaint about how long it took for something to arrive at their door after they ordered it, or they didn't have a good experience with a server at your restaurant, those are places to reconnect with your team and sort of fix little glitches that exist in your system. So in a way, if you think about every time someone has a complaint, think about it not as just sort of a headache that you have to deal with, but as a chance to learn something about your business that you didn't know it really starts to bring on a different mindset and make you realize that the people who take the time to complain, and especially the ones who take the time to do it in a constructive manner, are really helping your business in the long term because you can't be in every place at the same time. No matter how sort of great you are at staying connected with your audience, whether you're a designer or you're someone who owns a business, you don't know what it's like to be at every single place part of the chain of your business. So if you've got somebody who's pointing something out that you didn't know about, thank them and say, thank you. I'm so sorry that this happened, but we'll figure it out and we'll write it. That's how I would deal with readers and customers. The last thing to think about are partnerships. And this one can be a little tricky. Um, I feel like co-branding is something that happens all the time now with companies. People are working with different companies. Mistakes they happen. Things get you know misconstrued or people don't understand how something happened. But it's important to manage these sort of high-level partnerships very, very carefully because... 
as we move forward and on the internet, I think the more ability you have to work seamlessly and really well with other brands, especially within your own industry or your own niche, the more able you are to sort of expand your audience and bring in new readers or new customers that you wouldn't have had before. I find the best way to sort of deal with these mistakes is to pick up the phone, apologize, like we talked in person, and then to put it in writing. I found that so often these partnerships go south when there's a misunderstanding about what was expected or what happened. So picking up the phone, saying, hey, uh, oh, it seems like there was this mistake that happened with our you know, Instagram challenge or something. Pick up the phone, say, hey, here's what happened. How can we fix that? And then follow up in writing. I think sending an email to say, hey, Thanks for you know talking on the phone. So sorry, XYZ happened. Going forward, let's do this, this, and this. Following up in writing when a mistake happens is one of the best ways to sort of make sure everybody's on the same page, have a clear plan going forward, and to prevent future mistakes. Mistakes are always going to happen, but if you're able to follow up in writing, it really gives you that extra layer of protection that hopefully protects you from the exact same thing happening again. I want to um, wrap up the show by talking about a book that I've been reading about online. And I read a really excellent excerpt from it's by the author Lee Kravitz and it's called unfinished business. One man's extraordinary year of trying to do the right thing. Now Lee Kravitz was somebody who was a self-described workaholic and in his mid fifties lost his job. He ended up taking stock of his life and realizing how disconnected he had become from the people who mattered to him. And he committed an entire year to reconnecting with all the people that he felt he had sort of cut himself off from or made a mistake with and spent an entire year making an amend for that. And I think it's a fascinating concept. And I read sort of a two-page excerpt from the book, and it made me wonder how differently all of our communities would deal with each other and deal with, you know, every mistake and issue that pops up if we all spent more time thinking about the importance of just doing the right thing and saying sorry when we don't. And I'd like to sort of issue a challenge. I'm issuing this to myself, and I'm sort of thinking of it as an extension to the challenge that Amy was talking about, which was rejection therapy. And the whole concept of that was that the more you get used to hearing the word no, the more comfortable you get asking for what you really want. I think with this apology challenge, I really want to think about sort of taking away the negative ideas or sort of the fear behind the idea of having to say you're sorry. So that if you say this simple phrase, I'm sorry that more often, it becomes less scary. So I want you to really sit down and make a list of the things that right now are bugging you. What are the things that are nagging at you? Is it a conversation you have with somebody online? Was it interaction with a customer you wish had gone a different way? Was it sort of a lingering, outstanding project that hasn't been dealt with? Whatever that is, make a list of 10 things. I want you to make a clear list and I want you to write down what happened. And then I want you to write down what you wish had gone differently. Is that something you wish somebody else had done? What do you wish you had done? And write that down in just three sentences. Here's an example. I had an exchange with a reader a few weeks ago via email who had a big problem with the post I had done. I agreed with a big chunk of what she said, but had a real issue with another uh, sentence that she included that I thought was so personal and so unnecessary. And in my email, I led with that discomfort with her personal statement, when in fact, what I really should have done was just made it about the complaint that she had, addressed it, and thanked her for her feedback. And man, do I wish I had just done that. So the first thing I'm going to do on my apology challenge is write that reader back and apologize for the email that I sent. And I don't need to 
throw myself down on my sword and make it bigger than it needs to be. But if something's been sticking in your head, it's a great example of where you can reach out. And this one's been sticking in my head for a week. So what I want you to do is work through that list in a week. Now, that's more than one apology a day. I guarantee you by the end of the week, we're all going to be a lot more comfortable with the idea of saying you're sorry. And if it goes like I assume the rejection therapy helped go, you're going to find that by the end of the week, the vast majority of people really appreciate you reaching out to sort of correct a small wrong or maybe even correct a big wrong. And I think the important thing to think about is that it is never ever too late to reach out to change something you wish you had changed to fix something you wish you had fixed or to sort of take stock of things and really kind of fix some relationships or interactions with people that you wish you had done better the first time i think a lot of times when things go wrong we we learn how to bury it whether it's like to bury an email or just ignore a comment or forget about something that someone came into your store and said to you it's never too late to pick up the phone to write an email or to go say something to someone in person and apologize for the way that something went. Those little interactions mean so, so much to the people who are consuming or buying whatever it is that you produce. And I think the more you get used to saying you're sorry about something, to fixing something and realizing that most people just want an apology and then are happy to move on and happy to continue supporting what you do, the sooner you recognize that and accept it, the world seems like a much more open place and it seems so much more full of opportunities to meet people, to expand your audience and to be a happier, more comfortable person. And I think that the sooner that all business owners really sit back and sort of own the idea that mistakes are going to happen, that you can fix them and that the way you fix them really communicates who you are as a business owner, the sooner you sort of accept that, the happier you're going to be. Because I've found that Getting trapped in that circle of here's how I do it perfectly. Here's how I avoid upsetting anybody. Your world gets smaller and smaller and smaller because you assume that you can somehow control everything. And so every move gets microanalyzed and overthought. And you spend so much time worrying about that that you spend less time looking up and looking out at what's happening in your community. What's happening with your audience? What are people interested in? What are they engaged with? You should be spending your time really sort of absorbing all of that and finding ways to expand your business and and the things you know about your community by paying attention and not paying attention to how you micromanage everything that you say and that you do. So I hope you'll join me with the apology challenge and open yourself up to the idea of really righting wrongs and learning that they're not as scary as you think you are. Use those opportunities to reconnect with your community and your audience and show them what a strong and what a happy business owner you can be. So thanks for listening and I'll be back next week. Thanks for listening to this program on HeritageRadioNetwork.org. You can find all of our archived programs on our website or as podcasts in the iTunes store by searching Heritage Radio Network. You can like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at Heritage underscore Radio. You can email us questions at any time at info at HeritageRadioNetwork.org. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization. To donate and become a member, visit our website today. Thanks for listening.